Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I got Tim Torch here. I am Chad Parsons. You can find Tim typically on the weekly show over at Patreon.com/uth. But about once a month or so, have him come over here, uh, rub some elbows, and and get to a, a much bigger audience. And what a bigger audience can we have? And and a topic because uh, Tim came and said, "Hey." Let's do a, a rookie mock, but let's do it specifically off of one of the big mock drafts that are out there right now. So hat tip to Chad Ryder over at NFL.com. He did a four-round NFL mock draft. So that's plenty to, for us to go through a couple of rounds here with Superflex, two tight end. And so 24 picks coming. I got the 101. And it's just a really good exercise to to dive in, almost pretend that this is what the result is in late April, Tim. So a really good exercise for me and, and us as analysts because uh the you know, it's not going to be exactly this, of course, but it, it just gets our brain working about situations, uh, draft position maybe changing or being different than we think, and how is that going to adjust tiers on our player selection here? You you nailed exactly what I was shooting for. It's the I, I think we get so caught up on just prospects this time of year that we forget about like the, how things actually work out in the draft and doing the the actual experiment on this is what it looks like when a player lands with a team and then going through like what the weapons look like and and all of those other exciting parts and uh really really excited to to jump into this because i think there's a lot of really good landing spots um that, that we can dive into yeah, absolutely. Um, so I drew 101. And so Tim will get the last pick there at 212. And we're going to go through and instead of doing a dramatic reading of, of all the players and landing spots and draft position that we're choosing from, we're just going to outline what they are when we select them. So we can always add some context, some detail, some texture uh, to why they might have fallen to that point or why we're selecting them now. And then at the end, we'll kind of go through some guys that we didn't pick. And here's why, you know, it's a landing spot. It's a draft position issue. Uh, as we go through. And again, so we just have four rounds, but that's plenty if you're you're probably not going to go off the board and draft a, a late day three guy uh, in the first couple of rounds anyway. So I am up at 101 and I'll tell you, uh, seeing some of the quarterback landing spots, seeing where B. John Robinson landed really didn't affect uh, how I was going into this draft or how I would go in late April that much because B. John Robinson ends up going to the Chicago Bears at number nine and I'm going to take him here at 101. The more I think about it, it's Atlanta at eight, it's Chicago at nine, Eagles at 10. I just, or maybe Houston, you know, at, at 12. Just, I don't see Bijan Robinson getting outside the top 12 to 15. And so when, when I used to say, oh, it's Dallas, it's Dallas, because you see all these mock drafts, he falls to the 20s. I don't think that's happening. Bijan Robinson's a top five player and he's probably not going top five, but he's going to go top 15. And I think nine here is perfectly reasonable. Deonta Foreman's on a one year nothing deal. Khalil Herbert is going to be a career long backup type, you know, yeoman's work. And the pairing here with Justin Fields could be absolutely electric and the, and the Bears can start outscoring people even as they they build their defense here. So quarterbacks, uh, I'm not really going to dive in. Uh, and I think there's two, three, four, you know, that you can find somewhere in the mid first round. And I'll go B. John Robinson as the a big tier break here at running back. Yeah, that... 
I think it just makes too much sense. And I, I've actually, this is the time of year where I, I dive into stuff a lot more. And it's it's definitely where I could see him going. I think we might be surprised uh, where he ends up landing uh, earlier than a lot of people want to say, because a lot of folks want to go with don't take running back in round one. And I, I definitely think that's in play this year. Um, the only reason I'm go- I'm going this way is because I I want to take the player that I like best, and um, for me personally, I I think because we're looking at a super flex two tight end um, format that I and I know you a little bit. I just want to make sure I get my guy and um, give my reason behind it, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he lands with the Los Angeles Chargers in the mock draft that we pulled from. And this landing spot to me is is probably, if it actually happened, he would probably end up becoming a really good value in most drafts. And the reason I say that is because people are going to look at Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and and just say that is not a great landing spot for immediate production. And what I'm going to say is that you're going to get so much bang out of this long-term because he is going to fix himself with a uh, quarterback that has plenty of upside that can um, uh, really power multiple weapons. And we could be looking at the Chargers team overall in a, a year, possibly two, and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and possibly Josh Palmer could could all be moving on off of this roster and uh, it could look very different. And Jackson Smith and Jigba could be like the primary guy for uh, a top quarterback. Yeah, um, I had him earmarked. You know, I didn't think I would really get him, you know, but I had him earmarked in that that first round wide receiver. And frankly, we saw him fall in this mock draft. You'll kind of yeah. hear as we go through here. This was 21 overall. Do you think he makes it that far? Like no, I, I see a lot of I, team I stuff. So so that, there were three or four picks in here where I'm yeah. like, you know, things I know things are going to get weird. There's going to be yeah. some guys that fall, some guys rise. Um but this was one of them where I was like, really? I mean, that's stealing for the Chargers. I feel like they would have to take him here and you took him at 102, um which I totally get. Um uh, I'm going to go with uh the pedigree choice here, which in, in my tiering, that would be if you get a 101 quarterback, then you should take the 101 quarterback. They have a right to go 101. B.J. Robinson trumps that. So I'm going to take C.J. Stroud. He goes to Carolina at one. He's the betting favorite. Um, and, you know, I wish there was a little more rushing upside. I thought it would have been a nice twist if Anthony Richardson went 101. I mean, what a uh, a shot of positivity for a profile that already has a lot of upside for, for fantasy purposes. But Stroud in Carolina, they've already built some good veterans in there. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. I think it's going to be functional. Hayden Hurst. So uh, we'll see, you know, Carolina adding around CJ Stroud. But uh, this is one where he's the betting favorite. He's likely to go there. But 101 versus everyone else at quarterback is a tangible difference for top six finishes and probability in the future and all of that. So I think Stroud has a good floor. We'll see about the ceiling. If he runs a little more, I think the ceiling is perfectly reasonable. Uh, but 103 here. And again, he has an argument a lot of classes. If this were to play out and you don't have Bijan Robinson to go 101. I I I like that pick. And like you say so often, when you take one hundred and one, take one hundred and one. Even uh, I mean, give credit to Baker Mayfield as much as people want to slam on him. He has the chance to be the starting quarterback for for a team that that has a lot of quality weapons. So we we can't just turn our nose up to those type of guys. Uh, yeah, lo- looking at one hundred and four right now, I I don't disagree with you. I I think taking the the route you went was smart i'll actually go with the player that was expected to be the 101 before all of this cj 
drought uh-huh. hype just went crazy. And, and I'll go with Bryce Young. In this mock draft, he went number two to the Houston Texans, which I think makes a lot of sense. I'm, for for them, I'm actually really disappointed they got rid of Brandon Cooks. I think having Brandon Cooks with Robert Woods, whatever's left for Robert Woods, plus a young wide receiver that does happen in this mock draft, would have been a good mix of experience, youth, explosion, uh, just just different levels to impact the team. And it, it would have been one of those, you're not just leaving a young quarterback on an island. Uh, now, he does still have Nico Collins there, so that that is some... Uh, some youth to uh youthful experience uh so younger player that that's still giving him something um so yeah bryce young here at 104 uh i i think my biggest concern going bryce young and just going into the process is just uh that short small of a guy and making it work but he he was productive he's produced on all uh all stages that he's had yeah, it seems like Bryce Young to Houston is probably the most common, even among the quarterback position, player to pick, you know, that, that you see. Number two to Houston, Bryce Young. Um, and it'll be interesting, you know, if he ends up going one-on-one or falling behind Anthony Richardson or something uh, that that turns that because it's, it just seems like that has been the stock, stock uh, mock selection there. This one's pretty contested. I'm going to dive into a player that... I, you know, if we're playing heads up, you know, and there's some game theory and stuff involved here. And I really, from this point on, I could, I could see you doing almost anything. So um, I'm going to take the guy of everybody left that I think I would be most uh, reminisce if I didn't take him. And I'm going to go with Dalton Kincaid. It's a two tight end format. He gets the round one pedigree going 26 mm-hmm. to Dallas. Yeah. And Jake Ferguson, RIP. I mean, I, I really hope they give him a shot, but. Dallas drafting a tight end should not be a surprise. It's a deep class. This is one of only two tight ends to go in the first round. So teaser there. Um, but I think going to Dallas, you get the Dak Prescott connection. All the things you said about uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, uh, you get that quarterback locked in. And it's CeeDee Lamb and what? you know. And I think there's a lot of question marks they brought in Brandon Cooks short term. They, they have... Uh, Michael Gallup, I think that's also short term. And so Kincaid is one that I see a lot of Travis Kelsey. Like I watched him again (laughs) this week and after the catch, at the catch, his swivel and his hips. He has, and I like Sam Laporta. I like some of these other guys as well in those regards. But Kincaid's going to get round one pedigree. Plus, he has the look of just, he can run a passing game. And so I just think this is a really high floor outcome. And in the two tight end, the floor matters. The ceiling matters. You want the per- whole combination of, I know I'm going to at least pitch, you know, a double. Now I'm going to get a guy that's a multiple year starter, you know, as we go through the rookie contract. And I, I just think the ceiling is also top six. So I, I'm going to dive in here. And I, I think there's maybe one more higher upside option on the board uh, for me, but I'm going to go with Kincaid and, and just make sure I get it here at 105. Yeah, that, that was, that was really good. That, that was smart on, on your part to go that route. Uh, I will uh, take the other high upside option, in my opinion, uh, considering the format. I know it's too tight end, but for me, like there may be no more higher upside in boomer bust than Anthony Richardson at three. And it's it's interesting when you hear people like talk about him because he's getting to legend status with his ability. And I I don't eat. There, there's just so many questions. It's the, 
hey, he has the, we've never seen a prospect with this level of physical upside since Cam Newton. We've never, we've never seen uh, legs like this since Michael Vick. So we've never seen this combination of whatever you want to say tools that he has. Yeah. Um, and kind of the remark I, I like to all of this right now is the tools set the floor. What's between the ears really sets the uh, sets the ceiling. And, and that's how I feel with him. Um, I feel like he has been playing quarterback long enough in his career uh, to really know what that ceiling can be. So uh, it's sitting here in this format. I'm happy to take him. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think there's going to be any situation in normal mock drafts where you generally get him this late but i'm excited to have it yeah and just to clarify he goes three um but it was a trade up so the colts go from four to yeah, three to lock up richardson which it feels like you know that we're going to get the arizona cardinals moving out in some capacity that them sticking and picking and drafting a defensive player is probably not going to be the outcome they're going to move to four you know and get something from the colts or they're going to move down uh still in the top 10 probably to a team looking at quarterback looking yeah. to get ahead of the colts so um yeah so you take and that was honestly like in the game theory part i was like eh, if i take richardson uh, you know, and again, I think it's close. So I'm, I'm kind of coloring mm -hmm. outside the lines in terms of projecting what my actual two tight end board would be. Um, but I'm going to, because Richardson's gone, I think now, you know, at quarterback, we get a pretty big, you know, we already have uh, four off the board here. We got one. Uh, three off the board, excuse me, and and Will Levis uh, still to go, uh, and he has an interesting landing spot as well. But I'm going to go with Michael Mayer. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm going to collect the other round one tight end here. He goes 15 to Green Bay, and I would say Green Bay going tight end one is another common, you know, and whether that's Kincaid or Mayer, uh, maybe a wild card of somebody else. But if it's not a defensive player, the common player there is Michael Mayer um, or tight end at, to Green Bay at 15. So again, strong pedigree, buying the floor and playing the format, which is too tight end. And frankly, you should be looking for high pedigree quality profiles at the two positions that matter the most. And outside of Bijan Robinson, you, and we also had uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, uh, but we've been playing that through the first uh, six, seven picks here. So seven is Michael Mayer at 15 to Green Bay. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great pick uh, considering the format and just just give Jordan, I, I guess whoever it is. I don't even know if I can say if it's just Jordan Love. Yeah. Give Aaron and the reason Rogers I went slash, and the reason I went Kincaid is because I mean, if it's Jordan Love, we have a bit of a variable there. If it was Aaron Rodgers, he locked in, he's right. happy, he's in a, a room with lights, you know, that he would be he would be one that uh, we'd feel better about. If it was thirty five year old Aaron Rodgers going mayor uh, potentially over Kincaid. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent there. Um, yeah, so for me. It, this is this is where it gets a little bit tougher. Uh, I think we're getting into um, just just spot. It, it's not the players aren't known. It, it's just you have to really be willing to pick the flavor of what you're looking for. Um, for me, I'm I'm going to stick with uh, what what do we say? We always say go with round one pedigree wide receivers when they um, when they really give you value. And I feel like at this point in this draft, you see, uh, at pick 12, Jordan Addison, uh, he ends up being the number one wide receiver off the board, which was a surprise over Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, over Quentin Johnson, all over all of the other names that you generally see at this point. Um, and, and I think they, I, I think for the Texans, they're almost trying to recreate the, 
the Devonta Smith uh, to the Eagles type of situation where you just get a a smaller productive uh, wide receiver that um, that you know has good hands. Pair him with a rookie quarterback, which uh, in, in this mock draft they took Bryce Young earlier. It's so I'm I'm loving this thought experiment. By the way, just being able to pair all of this together and actually put players with teams. Um, but yeah, at this point, I I think I would be excited to see how. Jordan Addison would be able to grow with a Bryce Young and have those kind of locked in as a tandem for a long period of time. Yeah, uh, his comps aren't that great, uh, but the draft position absolutely is, you know, going here at 12 overall. And it does feel natural with Houston going quarterback. And what do you want to do right away? You know, build around that quarterback and and give him every opportunity. Addison is quote unquote pro ready. You know, the fact that he's a high producer, despite maybe not having the best physical skills, that's uh, basically uh, a, a proxy, as I always say, for film study. So, you know, a guy that produces and yet you're like, hey, he's 170 something. He's not a 4-3 guy. Yeah, that probably means he's pretty good at running routes, pretty good at, at setting up defenders, pretty good at catching the ball, like all those all those positional skills, toolsy type of things. Um, yeah, and that was one, you know, Addison, clearly wide receiver one off the board here. Um, that was one that, that surprised me out of this mock. I'll, I'm going to dive into something that was pretty surprising um, in the mock draft, which is Jameer Gibbs. Um, is going to be my pick uh, because we have oh, a cluster. Chad. I know we have a cluster of running backs in round two here. And Jameer Gibbs is my running back too. And the, the two guys that went where they did and, and Gibbs, I can't imagine this happening. First of all, Tim, I mean, <laughs> Jameer Gibbs goes to the chiefs, but not in round one. Who had that? Who would have that? 63 overall to the Chiefs. First, so this is going to, I know exactly how this will happen. People will ignore that this ever happened, that he went round two instead of round one. He will still go insanely high. I'm looking at, I mean, he would go, I mean, I have, like, for example, I mean, I have him in the late first round, and that could be the Chiefs, that could be someone else, and I have him 102 on the big board. So he would have been gone by now. Like, he would have been gone before Addison. if he goes to the Chiefs, people are going to lose their minds. And mm-hmm. even if this is just a completely juiced up on steroid version of Jarek McKinnon, that could we saw what that could be over six to eight weeks with them actually using Jarek McKinnon in that passing game. And Gibbs can do more than that. And I think the intent would be to use him more than that. And so even if Pacheco is doing his thing, you know, getting 10, 12, 14 carries all between the 20s, you know, and, and catching one pass a game and Gibbs doing everything else, there's big upside here. And it had to do with the running backs that went in round two ahead of Gibbs, you know, that, that wouldn't push me in that direction. So to me, Gibbs is still the best talent. I don't see this happening, but we're playing out the exercise. He went to the Chiefs, and I think that that landing spot and the round two pedigree means something here because there's not another, you know, Jonathan Taylor or um, J.K. Dobbins or you know that pack class a few years ago where it's like, oh, you know, all these uh, round two pedigree guys that are all really really good. Um, I think there's some flaws in the other guys that went round two. So I'm going to default to pre-draft, and I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs landed with the Chiefs and still had good enough pedigree here at 109 yeah when when people talk about him i think if if anything they might say oh he was a second round pick so the chiefs must have really thought he was a first rounder and then leave out the whole part where he was (laughs) like the last pick of the of the second round so uh it's going to be an interesting conversation if this happens i personally agree with you i i think uh i 
I think this is late, um, but the landing spot makes a lot of sense to me. I'm going to go with uh, pick 22, which is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs' other yeah. uh, <laughs> other pick that we have here. And uh, in this mock, they actually traded up for Jalen Hyatt. And I, I think it's more of a situation. If this happens and I would make this pick, I'm just kind of calling it now, I could actually see myself trading this player <laughs> relatively quickly um, because of how I know people will feel about it. Uh, very similar to your comments on Jameer Gibbs is that people are going to see a young wide receiver paired up with Patrick Mahomes. And I think they're just going to get those butterflies in their stomach. They're going to get really excited. And uh, I think he'll go ahead of Addison, you know, in, in this exercise and he may go, I, agree. I mean, you took Smith and Jigba in my opinion, just a little bit early. You really like him. I get that. But I think Hyatt, probably goes right around Smith the Jigba right. or maybe even earlier with that Chiefs landing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And and they're going to forget about all of the quality weapons that are that's already in Kansas City. They're going to start making excuses about Kelsey eroding or say it's a new Tyreek right. Hill. Yeah, and just just project on this young guy. They're going to forget about Sky Moore and and everything else that they have in Kansas City and that I personally if this happens, I, I feel like this would be a perfect spot to get uh, just do a small move down to the uh, beginning of the second round and also a future first. Yeah, I'm trying to think also on, on the Chiefs, you know, uh, a trade up here to get Jalen Hyatt. You have Smith the Jigba, you have Addison off the board. Uh, Quentin Johnson would still be available under this mm. exercise. Zay Flowers still available under this exercise. Notably, I don't know if that would be their move. You know, if they're sitting there with those three guys available, do you really think they'd make a trade up? And this is a notable one. You know, it's not just yeah. a, it's not just two, three, four picks. And so they probably have to give up something tangible, you know, on the back end. And, and that Jalen Hyatt is their guy. I don't know. Like to me, that's a bit of a stretch. And I, I'm not even sure that would be my pick. So, but, but yeah, like you said, plan out the exercise here with the, the couple picks and certainly the Chiefs. I mean, win the Super Bowl and then you get Jameer Gibbs and Jalen Hyatt added to your offense. Feels a little unfair. Um, all right. So, my last pick here in the first round, 111 is on the clock. And it, <laughs> there's two running backs that end up with, with round two pedigree, as I mentioned, with, uh, Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna swap it here. So I'm gonna go. No, see, there's three guys I gotta cluster here. All right, I'm gonna go with the running back. Um, <laughs> see, I just keep going back and forth. I, I, I'm sorry, not a Will Levis fan. Not not now, not today. <laughs> Tim might take them, and I'm fine with that. Um, so so looking at the board here, uh, there's two running backs left that went higher than Jameer Gibbs in round two. And looking at my my pre-draft or without uh, and. and and one of them was likely to go in in round two. The other one could have gone around three. So he's a big riser here. All right, I'm going to go with the guy that I I definitely had higher pre draft. I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet. Um, and he ends up going to the Chargers at 54 overall. So almost like Smith the Jigman in the passing game, this is one you might have to wait out. Now they've tried and tried with guys like Joshua Kelly, guys like Isaiah Spiller, um, and uh, Larry Roundtree. All day three picks. None of those have really panned out. And Austin Eckler, is he going to be on the team week one? Uh, even if he is, probably not going to be around in 2024. So Charbonnet is going to project as a injury away guy, easily more pedigree, a better version of all those other guys that they've tried out or, or attempted to fill that 1B role. Charbonnet could actually be that in year one, but the real thing you're buying is the progression in this offense paired with that quarterback and the the, the idea of Austin Eckler-less Eckler 
offense in 2024. And obviously the arrival date could end up being earlier. Eckler could get traded at some point, but um, I, I think Charbonnet here landed in a pretty nice situation. He's a bigger back. He can do everything. And uh, again, um, I think they've been trying and trying to, to fix that situation. And now they're finally throwing significant pedigree at it. Yeah, the, that's a good pick there. I, I don't disagree, especially with all the I think this could all the value wise could shift a lot if Eckler gets moved where we're not really waiting very long and there might actually be like a secondary buy opportunity on if this would happen uh, on Zach Charbonnet because I feel like the Chargers might be a team that would still give some of those other guys a shot before they just said uh, go ahead rookie this is your job so. That, that'll be really interesting. And you were actually 100% right. I am going to clean up the first round uh, with pick 112 uh, in this draft that uh, it was Will Levis that went at pick 10 to the Minnesota Vikings. We have Kirk Cousins that's in a uh, possible contract year. So is the team possibly moving on from him post uh, post 2023? Uh, possibly. Uh, and what I like about this type of pick and I'm not saying he reminds me of Josh Allen, but the situation reminds me of Josh Allen, where we're saying where everyone just keeps going against him. And we get to the point of value where we sit back yeah. and say, it, it, it's it's a <clears throat> athletic quarterback that was taken high in the first round. That That's enough key points where we need to be willing to take him there. And if he does sit... I feel like he's the type of player that will still retain value because uh, because you'll keep remembering this is a, this player has a lot of athletic upside. Um, to me, he doesn't remind me of Josh Allen. He remind, I, I don't know why I made this connection in my head. I actually made it to Jake Locker. Um, I, I still remember uh, Matt Waldman uh, talking a lot about how um, he just Jake Locker does everything right. Like, like, as far as his setup, as far as his motion, as far as how he um, gets into it, but just when the ball leaves his hands, there's something that is a disconnect. Um, that that's really Will Levis for me. So um, I'm interested to see how it plays out long term. But just in terms of a value play, uh, for me, it's Levis. And I think this type of landing spot would make him fall. You know, any of these quarterbacks, whether it's Anthony Richardson or um, or Will Levis are the two notables that are most likely to fall into a situation like this. But if they were to go to, say, you know, Detroit or um, uh, especially, you know, Minnesota qualifies here with Kirk Cousins, um, that if they go behind an incumbent starter that you feel they're not going to get much of a shot in year one, and Will Levis already had the stink on him, you know, that he's the he's the number four. He's the guy falling, fading, not rising this time of year. You know, that that's going to align to a late first or as we say, you know, you'll have to take a quarterback like that when they fall to the second round. And here at 201, I would have taken him. You have to take that. You have to take that pedigree profile. Mm -hmm. And 112, you circumvented that by one pick. But again, I think if you're sitting at 112, you have to make that pick in general in Superflex. So, um, so yeah, that that's definitely cleaning up the the loose ends, as you like to say, you know, in terms of the the profile bets here. Um, so yeah, uh, you might have to wait till 2024, but like a Jordan Love, he, he's still going to retain some value you know that mystery the box that you don't know if he can or cannot play it isn't always a negative you know a guy proving he can't in the first year or two is worse than a guy not having an opportunity because he's sitting behind a quality starter the team is still supporting and frankly jordan love wouldn't be sitting if it wasn't uh, for the mvp <laughs> seasons of aaron Rodgers. so that arrival date would have come even earlier uh by probably their projected plan 
Recapping the first round of our rookie mock draft exercise, we got 101. I took Bijan Robinson, who went to the Bears at number nine, slipping into the top 10 here of the draft. Jackson Smith the Jigba, drafted by Tim at 102, landed in the Chargers. Sneaky spot there for long term upside foundational element potential at 21 in the NFL draft. CJ Stroud at 103. I took uh, going to the Carolina Panthers at 101, top off the board, the big trade up target by the Panthers. Bryce Young, 102 to the Houston Texans, and Tim takes him at 104 in the Superflex format. I go with Dalton Kincaid in the two tight end format, going to Dallas at 26 overall. Ideal spot to maybe be the number two target rather quickly in that offense, maybe by year two, uh, paired with Dak Prescott. Take him at 105. I was thinking about Anthony Richardson, and sure enough, uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, Tim made me pay at 106, taking him. He was a trade-up target by the Colts going up to 103, going up one spot there to take the supersized athletic quarterback at 106 in this draft. Then I go back to tight end, Michael Mayer going to Green Bay at 15 overall. I take him at 107 in this two tight end format. 108 is Jordan Addison, 12 overall, being paired with uh, Houston taking Bryce Young, and they also take Jordan Addison at number 12 as wide receiver one off the board. Things change a little bit here in the later first round, but I take Jameer Gibbs. Fell in the draft, but still goes to the Chiefs. 63 overall. I think he can be a juiced up version of Jarek McKinnon. I take him at 109. And then Tim takes another Kansas City Chiefs skill position player. They trade up in round one. Apparently, they didn't give up their round two pick uh, by going with Jalen Hyatt, uh, getting him up at 22 overall. I mean, there's going to be some firework uh, expectations for Jalen Hyatt, that speed demon, going and paired with Patrick Mahomes at 110 for Tim Torch. I take Zach Charbonnet going to the Chargers at 54 overall. Could walk into that number two role, that one B role, and Austin Eckler may not even be with the team uh, in you know by midseason or by week one as possible outs for upside for Jack Charbonnet in the near term. And then finally, in the finishing out the first round, Tim Torch takes Will Levis with uh, trade of the Minnesota Vikings, taking him at ten overall and a wait and see approach with Kirk Cousins, but one with long term developmental upside for Levis, who maybe could use a little seasoning and. Uh, this could provide exactly that with the landing spot despite falling a little bit goes and compare with justin jefferson want to take a minute tell you about the recent content over at utahstynasty.com over the past week there's a nfl mock draft series in addition to this show more talk about situations of landing spot and the skill positions in the 3.0 series at uth also the nfl team needs matrix NFL free agency is largely complete. You can look and see what my team need scores are at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end across the board. And they feed in to a lot of these landing spots here in the NFL draft. How about Tank Bigsby's Pro Day? Um, Ended up not being a part of the uh, four-round mock here, falling in the draft by Chad Ryder. Um, But it was a successful day for Tank Bigsby with his Pro Day, and I cover that with his latest comps over there with UTH content. Elijah Moore being traded to the Browns. What's his effect for uh, both teams' depth charts as well as his dynasty value? And then finally, an eliminate the suck startup draft 
strategy article where a lot of times in every round, who not to take is as important as who to take. Just crossing off your list to improve your dynasty startup results. So this is a perfect time before the NFL draft to scratch that itch for a dynasty startup draft and eliminate the suck is a key themed feature article on how to improve your results in the first five, six, seven rounds of your initial team build. So never been a better time to sign up at uthdynasty.com. If you love podcasts. Um, I've outlined some of those that are already in podcast form. Uh, If you want to hear about mock drafts, you want to hear about prospect profiles, that is the place to go as a general manager plus subscriber. You're going to get a free preview to the newly rebuilt and restructured six new formats added over the UTH trade calculator as well that can really jumpstart your results in the trade market. If you're in tight end premium, if you're in two tight end leagues, like we're mock drafting here in this episode, you're going to want to be a part of the UTH trade calculator because they are custom built, whether you have premium scoring or start two, start one, we have you covered with all the new formats that are out there in your dynasty leagues. All right, I'm going to clean up uh, the final round two running back here. Um, I like Tajay Spears. He ends up going running back two off the board, which is a little mind-blowing to me because I still think he's trying to fight to get into day two at all in the top 100. And he goes ahead of Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, uh, easily with higher expected draft position projections right now. But he goes to the Saints. And this is another sneaky one where, I mean, this could be a spot where Jamal Williams is there to probably uh, be the placeholder if Alvin Kamara misses six weeks, eight weeks. But that's still going to be a gap of who's going to play a Kamara-like role. You know, that's probably not going to be Jamal Williams. And Tajay Spears has some juice. He reminds me of a little baby, hopefully not blocked by Matt Asiata, Jerick McKinnon, a guy that's juiced up, but he's a little bit subsized. And he needs to be used the right way. Sean Payton's not there. I, I don't think the elite PPR usage for a running back is there anymore. But pick 40 overall for a guy that doesn't have... This isn't Devin Achain. You know, like some massively flawed, uh, expecting 1A work in the NFL type profile. We don't have that here. So I think, you know, this is a falling pedigree, just like Will Levis, but at the running back position, falling pedigree situation in Tajay Spears that I, I have to take it 201. Because, uh, again, the situation, a little bit blocked. I think running backs are going to be interesting to see where they go. But it could clear up massively by week one, by midseason, and especially by 2024. Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting there in New Orleans. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I brought up Alvin Kamara. I I think the biggest uh, I, I'm I, he would have been my pick if you you actually took the pick I was planning on right there. And I think the biggest question I just have with the whole Alvin Kamara situation is is how did the Saints get out of that contract? And um, that that's probably the biggest like. Oh, what, what's going to happen next? Uh, type of shoot a fall um, as far as how they move on. The biggest problem I have here is I would love to go running back. My my dream would be mm-hmm. to go running back, um, but this mock has literally taken so many running backs out of the, and that's probably a pretty good concern for the actual draft coming itself is that how how many of these guys actually make it into day two or or early on in day three and if it's anything like this this mock draft it's not a lot of great options and so i'll go with one more wide receiver before i try to go running back and that's with quentin johnson um, I in this uh, mock draft, he lands at pick 34 with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Nuke Hopkins could be on his way out. 
it's a new regime. So uh, whoever they make the choice to bring in at wide receiver will be possibly just their guy that, that they want to make sure gets on the field quickly and as productive as possible with whatever quarterback they have. And yeah, I, I have so many questions about what the Cardinals are going to look like, whether it's with Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, insert name of whoever is playing quarterback there, but adding Quentin Johnson to this team uh, gives them, you kind of mentioned the pterodactyl, giving them the big, possibly alpha type of wide receiver. And and this reminds me a lot of maybe adding a, a a T Higgins type where, where you're big, you're, you're the biggest guy in terms of wide receiver on the team. So you get plenty of production early. So kind of interested to see how this all works out. If you were to land with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is wide receiver four off the board in the NFL draft, four off the board for for our mock draft. And and T. Higgins was the name that if you didn't mention him, I was in terms of, you know, round one talent and he falls to early day 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 two. So Very is that early. going to be Yeah. And so do you hold that against him? Again, you can't squint, you can't call him a round one pedigree, but you can say an elite profile that ended up going in the the thirties or or you know top forty type selection that you know you take them next you know so I, I think you took him exactly the right time you know you don't want to press the issue um, I thought about him over Charbonnet over Spears and I was like you know uh, you take the running back you know that if he were to quote unquote fall you know to round two that's meaningful enough that you should probably take the top fifty fifty five drafted running back instead you know historically speaking um, over and over again um, and that'll wor- end up working itself out. Um, I think now we're in the zone where where tight ends are up again. You know, the the, <laughs> the two first rounders are gone, and there was a bunch of them. We had four go in the top sixty. You know, in in here in the second round. Now the flavor, the landing spots. This really turns my brain into a pretzel a little bit because it's funny because the player I like the least of the four landed in the best spot. If you will, (laughs) in terms of most open, most open and maybe most able to collect some targets. Oh, this is a tough one, though. I am going to go. I'm looking back here at my priors and everything. I mean, I'm going to go with man. Yeah, I'm going to go with the next off the board in the NFL draft. Um, I'm going to go with probably the biggest rarity at the position. And that is Darnell Washington. Uh, He goes Mm -hmm. to Tennessee at 41. And uh, you know, this is right around, you know, his, his expected draft position over grinding the box has been fading a little bit uh, where it was like, Oh, you know, he'll go 25 to 30, you know, he'd be tied in two or tied in three off the board. And I think, you know, this, that they're all specific tastes like Luke Musgrave, not a big there. blocker, you know, and Washington can provide almost that six offensive lineman, Sam Laporta, you know, if he goes round two, that's a little bit of a surprise right now, you know, in terms of where he was coming from in January. So I think Washington, you know, with, with Tennessee, you say, are they going to take wide receiver, you know, with their first round pick at, I believe it's 11. Um, I, I think pairing it with a tight end here where they have Chigo Conquo, who is almost in that John U. Smith, you know, a little bit subsized, but man, what he did as a rookie, great stuff. And so keeping him as a, a, a receiving centric guy, Washington can be a little bit more of the blocker, a little bit more of the red zone, uh, the contested catch guy. You get Chig, 
uh, going, you know, as more of that Gerald Everett type. I think this could really work. Now, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback? Is Tannehill going to be here longer than this year? But you you have you take the pressure off with a tight end and uh, a blocker that can keep Derrick Henry at the tip top for as long as possible. Probably just this year. Uh, I just think Washington makes a lot of sense. Where he's a rare uh, a rare prospect at the position. He was you know the number two guy off the board here in the early second round, uh, and so I'm going to go with him here at two oh three. Yeah, two, uh, great pick, and you're you're actually in line with what I'm thinking right now, too, because I was definitely looking tight end. And for me, uh, it's a toss-up between two guys. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, uh, Luke Musgrave. He actually lands in this mock draft, pick 47 to the Washington Commanders. And it, it's really a combination of things. He he has the size, um, plenty of athleticism, ran a 4.61 at the combine. Um, so, you know, he's fast. Um, I also, I, I know this doesn't play into everything, but uh, new offensive coordinator Eric Bannamy knows how to use tight ends uh, very well. Uh, I am just a little bit concerned. I think part of the reason he fell so much for me uh, kind of in this thought exercise is because there's a lot of weapons. Uh, you still have Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, uh, Antonio Gibson is definitely still a presence there. Um, so how much is really going to be left and how soon will he be able to see the, uh, see the field? So there's definitely a concern there, but I, I think with where, where we're going right now at 204 pick 16, uh, I would, especially considering the format, I would be really happy to take him at this point. Yeah, uh, I think we're choosing on the the right bucket here. Um, and again, these are situations that you could say it's pretty crowded in terms of the passing game. But uh, you know, in in the uh, two two tight end format, you take uh, round two tight ends. You know, in round two, anytime you can. You know, basically, and we've got yeah. plenty to choose from. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that. I'm kind of, I, I mean, a I'm surprised he went this early. He went 51 overall to the Miami Dolphins. Um, but cause I thought he was gonna be fighting to get into, uh, yeah. day two, but this is a situation that I just, we, we saw them kill Mike Gesicki, literally eviscerate him fantasy wise this last season in the Miami dolphins. They've got two strong wide receivers. Strong is probably, uh, not, not a hard, you know, probably not a, a confident enough <laughs> word. They dominate touches. And so Laporta is a guy I really like. Um, I'm going to trust the profile, trust the pedigree. And like you were saying, you know, going towards running back right here over a round two tight end just feels wrong. You know, and so I, I think there's not a lot here in the the mid second round, and uh, to to really say I've got to get go for a non tight end. So I'm gonna go Sam Laporta. He's got a really well rounded profile. I thought Iowa used him to block. He ran four yard outs way too often. He was a productive player. I think he actually has more upside in the NFL. Um, Iowa has a good track record and pedigree there. Um, and lineage. Um, so again, I'm going to trust that this works out and, and trust that, you know, going right beside Luke Musgrave in the draft order, being tight in four off the board, all those are positive signs and Miami investing that and letting Mike Kosicki walk probably means they have bigger intentions for Sam Laporta than we saw for Mike Kosicki last year. This is a public service announcement that this is more of me being excited versus what I would probably recommend people to do right off the bat. <laughs> uh, but there, there is a very large piece of me that still likes this player. 
and something we say routinely is never leave a draft uh, without a player that you feel strongly about and that is your guy, especially when you're this point in the second round. I feel I feel like when you're midway through and especially as many picks like we're making for each other, just make sure to get your guy. And I I have very little fear that this player is on your board or or someone you're considering. But again, I I do just want to make sure that um, he is someone that I am I, I am getting as many shares of as I can. Um, in this draft, he went uh, seventy one to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Kayshawn Booty uh, and uh, wide receiver out of LSU. I. I don't know what the hell is happening during this pre-draft mm-hmm. process to this guy. Yeah. Um, because I, I think you even pointed out in one of our early mocks that if we would re- would have rewound like a year, maybe 18 months, we would have been looking at him as like the number one wide receiver uh, in in this class. And and maybe he wouldn't have tested at all. And we would still have all those questions. Uh, he still would have been fine because he would have just left everything as a question mark. I still believe like those pieces are there. I, I'm not willing to just uh, paint over the profile, the pieces that I saw, the the opportunities that I've had to to see uh, bits and clips of of him playing, and even the full games I've gotten to watch. I've seen I've seen the moments you want. <laughs> like I see a very good professional wide receiver. So maybe this is more just me putting a stamp on it. And saying he's still day two, and um, and he has kind of a decent landing spot with Michael Thomas never really being that much available, and, and really only having Chris Olave to contend with. No, I, I think when you're when you see some of the the round two wide receivers that are that are there, and we haven't drafted any of them. Well, actually, Quentin Johnston, but uh, the others we have not drafted, and, and going for a, a third rounder instead. You know, for like you said, a guy that you trust. Um, I think that's total inbounds. You know that that is totally uh, one like you said. I mean, break ties, break tiers uh, for for guys you trust profiles that you just gravitate towards and you want to get shares in your rookie draft. And if you find a palatable point, and here at two oh six, I mean, it certainly is one. Um, it's not like you you dove in and took him at one ten over Will Levis or something. So uh, I, I think it's, it, it totally makes sense here. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tear jump just a little bit because I have one guy highlighted still uh, at a premium position. That like, if you had told me going into this draft he's gonna be there in mid second, I'd be like, well, I gotta take him. Um, and that's Zach Koontz. Um, he ends up going later than a couple tight ends still available uh, through this mock draft exercise. Um, but Zach Koontz goes to Cincinnati at 92. And go back to the things we said a few minutes ago about other tight ends or other quarterbacks. Attach yourself to greatness. And again, I'm not calling Joe Bur- Burrow great, but I'm saying he's one of those top tier quarterbacks. And uh, you know, having that, whereas T. Higgins going to be on the team in one to two years, is uh, you know, is it, it could easily be Koontz and Jamar Chase. And that is pretty much the cornerstone of the offense. He's going to be rookie contract controlled. No one else on this team is. So he's going to have every opportunity for four plus years to shine here and be a critical cornerstone element. And Koontz is really a Mike Gesicki type. So imagine Mike Gesicki on this Bengals offense, garnering single coverage, roaming down the seam, uh, making rangy plays, and everybody double covering Jamar Chase You know, <laughs> in every critical situation. So Zach Koontz, I'm going to go over a couple tight ends that draft or draft that ahead of him, I'm going to go for uh, go for landing spot here and take him at 207. All 
Yeah, right. I, I'm excited because I finally get to dive into the running back market. Hey, <laughs> is this your first pick at running back? Yeah, it, yeah. it is. It's been a long <laughs> it's, road. It, it has been, and it's more because just in this mock draft we're looking looking yeah. at, they're just so few and far between. I, I hope on draft night we're not waiting this long for uh, this many running backs. Uh, but in this mock draft, uh, pick 79 to the Arizona Cardinals, it's Kendry Miller. Yeah. Um, looking at the situation, you you have to at least earmark him as a priority in the second round if if this is close to the type of situation he lands in. Because just kind of glancing at their depth chart right now, the James Connor, uh, I think we all know the history there and how they're definitely games missed. Um, definitely an older running back uh, b- sitting behind him right now. We might be looking at uh, Corey Clement. Beyonce Ingram. It's brutal. Yeah, it's not. It's not the depth chart at the running back position you would hope to go into uh, the season with. So I definitely think just injecting some um, some player there uh, in uh, by day two is probably a very likely situation. So Kendry Miller, give me all of that at this point, um, especially in a rookie draft where you can just say yes, whether it's right away or you have to wait a little bit. Or even if you don't get him, you may have the opportunity to buy buy low when uh, James Connors doing his thing. I, uh, sign me up for it. All right. Uh, so I have two picks left here, uh, and two hundred nine is on the clock. And I kind of feel like you know, as I'm in that mid first, that there's two or three guys I want, and it feels like there's a right order to draft them in. And I don't know where, where you're going to go with your next pick. <laughs> Um, cause to me, there's, there's only two or three that I kind of want to draft here. So if I have to go off script, that's not going to be ideal at two, uh, was it two eleven? So, uh, I'm going to go. All right. I'm going to go with something that I mentioned. Um, I was on, what was that other dynasty show? Um, anyway, um, I was on except smash except. Yeah. Like last week or something. And I was talking about a certain player. We threw him in at the very end and I'm going to take him here because I think this is the exact type of draft result that should yield profitable and palatable cost. I'm going to go with Hendon hooker mm-hmm. and at, at two Oh nine, he ends up going early second round. There's talk. He could go in the late first round yeah. and he goes 36 overall to the Raiders and the Raiders are a spot where Jimmy Garoppolo, but we know that's a short-term thing. Hinden Hooker is going to be one that's on ice. Probably shouldn't be expected to play. Let's get him fully healthy after a significant injury uh, to end his college career. So no expectations in 2023, but could easily be groomed. And we've seen round two guys, whether it's Garoppolo, whether it's, um, who was it? Derek Carr was a second round pick. Uh, you had Jalen Hurts of just these teams that may not have an imminent need, but that imminent need probably occurs in the future. And Hinden Hooker is a mobile option. He doesn't have size concerns. He was a prolific passer. If you want to say, how does he translate from that Tennessee funky offense to the NFL? That's valid. But with this draft position, obviously they buy in and there's plenty of buy-in from the NFL that they felt they had to pick him at 36. So I think you have a lot of potential here. And just like Will Levis, I mean, late second round, that's where Jalen Hurts was going. And I just think there's a lot of equity there when you look at Again, there's one or two guys I like, but if you took Hinden Hooker at 210 and then I'm out in the woods at 211, um, I'll, I'll lock him up here and I'll take my chances with my two or three other guys next. For for your last pick, something I, I think we could do to change up the <laughs> exercise a little bit is if you would like to, you could insert a name 
um, ins- insert a name, but but match the position. So, so a wide receiver that fell to this team uh, and right. kind of spice it up a little bit. So you nice. get to talk about your guy a little bit. Sure. Um, so for my next last pick, um, I, I am going to keep playing to the format one more time uh, before I get to insert name here. And that'll be uh, Tucker Craft, who ends up landing with the Detroit Lions at pick 55. And <clears throat> again, this is more me playing to the format. It's playing to the opportunity because I think we all remember um, Chad and I talking about Brock Wright and uh, James Mitchell and Shane Zelstra, all, all of these forgettable names at the tight end position in in 2022 when uh, TJ Hawkinson was uh, was traded to the Vikings. I, I really don't know if maybe this is an offense that doesn't look towards the tight end. If it is, then then they probably wouldn't put a premium on the position at this point. But if they do make this draft pick and and they are investing capital and then that is another weapon for Jared Goff, I I would be excited because there aren't there there are other weapons on the team, but I think as far as just playing uh, middle of the field, there's still a little bit of room for some uh, extra love for someone. And again, just giving yourself immediate opportunity is always great in a premium format as well. Yeah, I uh, like that pick a lot, and and again, you you should absolutely take round two t- uh, tight ends that fall to this point, regardless of their their landing spot. Um, actually, I just harkened back to Drew Sample being like that. That's a situation that did not work out, you know, that, that fell down the the yeah. rookie board and didn't quite work out. Um, a guy that I thought you might take over Kendra Miller, um, and I'm gonna clean it up here at at two eleven, is the last day two running back. Um, I'm gonna take Zach Evans. Um, he falls to a spot that, again, uh, a lot of these guys are f- going to spots with current starters. I think that could be a common theme we see in the NFL draft in a month that um, Zach Evans goes to Cleveland at 74. So you like the pedigree, but it's almost an Alexander Madison like of eh, established starter and Nick Chubb. It's bad news for Jerome Ford. I'm rooting for the guy to to be the number two, get a shot, and he would obviously knew, need to avoid a, a selection like this um, on, in round three. But Zach Evans... Uh, a lot of people view him as one of the more talented guys in the class overall. Uh, and some people might even have him running back two or three uh, of the class. Certainly didn't go running back two or three off the board here with guys like Spears and Charbonnet and Gibbs and uh, B.J. Robinson and, and the like. Um, but I, I think he's someone that I wish he weighed in a little heavier. Maybe he can put some of the, that, those pounds back on uh, to the 210 range here in the NFL. But dynamic uh, and, and does a lot of things after after contact. Uh, three-way, a uh, three-down, excuse me, producer. So I think there's Injury away to start. And then obviously, you know, over the next one to two years, Nick Chubb could be on the move when we get an elevation of value. But I think you at least have an injury away status with upside from there. And he could also, you know, be a legitimate 1B that gets a decent workload in year one as well. Yeah, last pick for me, and I'll uh, keep it simple, and that'll be uh, Zay Flowers, to uh, who went pick 39 to the Carolina Panthers. Um, at, at this point in the draft, you're giving me a fairly high uh, round two wide receiver that I – they just had their number one wide receiver vacate. <laughs> they went to the Bears. I know they brought in kind of stopgap options, um, but this would be just another situation where you would be pairing a young quarterback with a young wide receiver. So they had opportunity to grow together, and uh, that to me would be pretty exciting. Uh, I'll call out, you know, here are the best of the rest or, or guys that I 
I, I wanted to see maybe go to different situations or just, I don't know, you know, the look of this wasn't overly great. Um, Marvin Mims, you know, he ended up going 52 to Seattle. Um, you know, even if Tyler Lockett's gone next year, that's still DK Metcalf there. And we'll see about if there's turnover eventually at quarterback, Geno Smith, not the one of the most insulated quarterbacks out there, even though they got the new contract. Um, it's not a super max long-term type of thing. Um, so Marvin Mims, you know, if that was a different landing spot, and again, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels on what that might be, but uh, that was one that eh, the landing spot, you know, uh, he was like the fourth guy, uh, fourth uh, court, uh, wide receiver to go off the board in round two. Don't really love that. And then the other guy was Jonathan Mingo. He was to Tennessee. And again, I like uh, Traylon Burks and I like Mingo, but it's round one versus round three wide receiver. I, I generally know how that goes. <laughs> so, um, you know, and for not a high octane passing game, and they also took, uh, that was the one that took Darnell Washington, you know, already, and they have Chico Conquo. So it's a bit of a, a pack situation. And, you know, so I, those are two guys that I like, but if these are the outcomes, I'm not going to be overly, you know, pounding the table in the late second or even early third for them. But, you know, it's an interesting exercise to go through and see maybe who are who are profiles you like, but then you're ultimately not going to draft them much just because of, uh, of those confluence of factors. And they're at a position where, frankly, you're not going to sit around for three years and wait on them. What about you? Yeah, um, I I just really hope when we get to the actual draft, maybe we see some different names at the running back position uh, that we didn't necessarily see in this draft. Um, I hope by day two at some point we're possibly going to see Tank Bigsby, maybe Israel. Uh, I mean, that's right. It. I I didn't even I didn't even register that. Yeah, Tank Bigsby didn't go. Oh my goodness! Wait, that has to be an oversight, right? Has to be. He did because Devin Achain, uh, and just for transparency, we had Devin Achain, Chase Brown, and Eric Gray going in round four to the Patriots, Seahawks, and and Bengals respectively. Yeah. Wow. No, no, Sean Tucker. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I can understand Sean Tucker. I, I that is I believable. But Tank yeah. Bigsby, it seems like he would be in the Tajay Spears spot, right? Like he would yeah. be in that top sixty, and uh, you know, taking up one of those spots. So that's a really interesting one. Yeah. Or so, yeah, it, spot, yeah. Uh, it, it's just I I do hope we see maybe at this point one or two more running backs, especially in day one or two, because um, specifically day two, because I mean, we only saw what one, uh, two, three, four, five, five running backs go on um, day yeah. two. So six total in the first. We didn't see rounds. the Fal we didn't see the Falcons take someone in the first yeah. four rounds. You know, uh, and and here's the interesting thing, you think you know if you have Bigsby go to uh, a a good spot or like the Eagles, you know, in round five or something like that, or Tennessee, which. Again, that's another projectable spot beyond 2023. Um, so it's just, you know, sometimes you you fall, but you still get the landing spot good enough. Or what if he goes to Dallas, you know, like uh, Tony Pollard-like on, on day three? So it doesn't mean he's necessarily not, you know, if this happens, he's not going to go in the first two rounds of a rookie draft. It could still occur. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it's going to be interesting. This was, this was a really fun thought exercise, just being able to put players with teams and then go through what that means for that team specifically, because it's not going to be that much longer. and We're actually going to be doing this for real. So it, it, to me, this really just gives us the opportunity to limber up the brain a little bit and to start thinking about how the teams are built and really what an impact of some of these rookie players can have on, on some of these teams. And to recap, uh, round two here, we had uh, Tajay Spears. I took, uh, he goes to the Saints at 
40. Uh, Tim took Quentin Johnston there, Arizona, early in the second round, pick 34, T. Higgins-like. And then we had uh, Darnell Washington and two tight end going to Tennessee at 41. There to me at 203. 204, Luke Musgrave. Uh, Tim goes with tight end as well, going to Washington at 47. I go with Sam Laporta at 205. Miami uh, there in the mid-second round at 51. Keyshawn Butte, uh, one of Tim's guys. Uh, he ends up still going at 71. Hasn't been a great process for him to the Saints. 207, I go with Zach Kuntz. Uh, good pairing there with Joe Burrow to the Bengals at 92, slipping in to day two. And then we have 208, Kendra Miller. We start to go into a running backs a little bit more here in the late second round. T- Tim to Arizona at 79, hopefully for a 2024 arrival date for to be a starter there. Hendon Hooker, couldn't let him fall anymore. We had 209 going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I, I drafted him uh, going 36 overall in the draft itself. And then Tyler Kraft, uh, tight end, uh, last uh, notable tight end here going to the lions at 55 tim took him at 210 last couple off the board we had zach evans uh going to the browns uh primary backup at 74 hopefully with upside for more in the future and then tim finishing things out at 212 zay flowers carolina panthers 39 overall and it's interesting zay flowers goes round one in a lot of these uh mock drafts and he still falls in the rookie draft you know kind of the last guy and then here he is you know getting pick number 39 and still for that pedigree he's falling (laughs) you know longer than he probably uh, should and I, I think that's going to be something we see late uh, late April as well. Uh, we're going to see that. So uh, yeah, uh, Tim, uh, we can find you on Twitter between episodes um, at it's Tim Torch. Uh, he does uh, draft consulting. Uh, that's going to become redraft style uh, as we go through the summer months. But Dynasty still applies here. You can find him and uh, DM him on Twitter. Two key features of UTH Patreon are going to be the exclusive content that you can get. Uh, Mini premium podcasts. I go over things like dynasty trading, uh, four to five key trades at each position periodically. All of those at the quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end position have been covered over the past week where we go over strategy points as well as how to and how not to trade within those positions. The weekly show this past week, I go over my six orphan teams I've taken over, some of the criteria, the core players, and some of the tenants to look for that make it not a rebuild, not a team where you're looking to 2024 or 2025 to contend, but you can contend right now and for a discount. This is the perfect time of year to take on a team that needs a little scrubbing, needs a little TLC, needs a little love, but it's right there with a chance to contend now at a heavy discount. And also uh, going over some profiles in terms of the Triple Crown Club uh, at tight end and wide receiver, looking at some key profiles with college prospects, as well as NFL that fit key markers for success at the fantasy and NFL levels. So if you're looking for the UTH NFL draft guide this year, it's only going to be going out to UTH VIPs and qualifiers over there at patreon.com slash UTH. It is not available for purchase. It's only an add-on and bonus to the super fans. So this is the perfect time. This is the perfect four weeks. You sign up, you're going to get the draft guide right after the NFL draft, and you're going to be a part of the VIP chat room. Some of the best dynasty owners on the planet. That's where I answer questions first and foremost compared to email or a DM on Twitter. Anywhere, I go to the VIP chat every day. It's a thriving discussion. And again, sign up as an all pro or higher tier and you're going to get the draft guide, you're going to get the VIP access, and you're going to get all this content on a weekly basis. And that's over at patreon.com slash UTH. 
That's going to do it this week. Fun exercise Tim brought to the table. Also wanted to shout out one more time, Chad Ryder from NFL.com did this four-round NFL mock draft. And that really fueled our thoughts and our um, our imagination here for doing this two-round Superflex and two-tight end mock draft. I'm Chad Parsons. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. My my wife saw me break stuff around the house. I you broke stuff on, because of Tim Hightower. Oh, I was throwing stuff. She thought I lost my mind. Kevin White is my boy. Maybe they forgot Kenneth Dixon was on the board or, or something like that. Yeah, they must have forgot. Their, their computer froze just like mine did before we started the podcast. <laughs> right. They were they were ten minutes late, and it's the only name they knew. I love my mama. Tim, have you been smoking today? Never settle, refuse to be average, and always keep up. <laughs> I was doing so good. You had it. Never settle, refuse to be average. What was the last part? Never settle, refuse. Keep building those averages. <laughs> keep averaging keep- those buildings. <laughs> I drink pop and I push a buggy. Jim wants to slap asses with talk dirty. I'm Dan Rather, and this has been the Nightly News. Get me my teleprompter. He'll read anything. <laughs> God damn it. You know he'll read anything on that prompter. Put it in front of me. That's all I need. That's all I need. I need a script. Come on, country boy. Come on, pop drinker. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm not a country boy. I grew up. You call it pop. Like, I grew up in the mean streets of Connecticut. I, I like Richard Higgins. I, I think he... I'll start that over. I know he didn't go there. I don't know if he uh, did, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you're probably, maybe you're thinking about the kind of condoms that he wears. Maybe you think of the next question I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I drifted. Yeah, I wanted... Something? Do you want me to... I heard folding oh. paper. Did you put it in a notebook? I did. Holly Hobby notebook. <laughs> Trapper Keeper? You got a Trapper Keeper for your ETH news? Okay. I did. Do you guys want to know what I have to see if you want me to take any of it no. out? I screamed like a girl. I have the 101. You earned it. I did earn it. You sat I, there and submitted your lineup every week knowing you're going down the toilet. I did, but now going into year two, you're I have favorite. I have TG Yeldon and Mark Ingram as my running backs. Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, Dante Moncrief. Your host. You'll never uh, uh, Kevin White and Brashad Perriman on that team. You'll never do anything. Oh, you're hopeless. So, you have a bunch of unproven guys. Good luck with that. Someone tried to tell me I need Travis Kelsey, and I'm sitting on Austin Fer- Safarian Jenkins, yeah. Ladarius Green, Jordan Reed. Nothing. This is from Noodles. New, new, Noodles. This is just me throwing up on the air.